We're going to begin a new study this morning. And it's going to take us several weeks, and, and, it's, and, and it's entitled, What We Believe. What We Believe. Now, I'm going to follow, as a general outline, I'm going to follow the Baptist faith and message. Now, we do have copies of that at the, on that back shelf, second shelf down. Or you can just look at it online. Uh, just, just look for the Baptist faith and message. You'll find it online. Now, I'm going to read you the article, and, and then we're going to discuss, really, the points of the article, but, but even more so, the points of the Scripture that backs the article. Because I don't, I'm not going to preach you the, the Baptist faith and message. I'm going to preach you the Scripture. So, let's, uh, let, uh, as, as we go through this, and, and, and it's going to take us weeks to follow this, because if you look at the Baptist faith and message, there's a lot of articles. And so, we're just going to take one a week and work our way through what we believe. And this morning, we start with Scripture, what we believe about Scripture. And that, it's important because as Baptists, we are known as people of the Word. And so to begin with the Word, it's the first article of the Baptist Faith and Message, and it's the right place to start. So let me read to you the Article 1 of the Baptist Faith and Message. It says, The Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man. It's a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God's for, God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all Scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world, the true center of Christian union, and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All Scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation. So let's kind of draw out the main points of the article, and then we'll look at Scripture that, that shows this. You can, if you, uh, again, if you get a copy of the Baptist Faith and Message, you'll see there's about 30 scriptures, 29 or 30 scriptures that, are, that back this article. I just chose one passage. But the main points that we see in this are that the, the Word of God is divinely inspired. It is written by God, not by man. That the Word reveals God to mankind. It re, he re, the Word of God reveals God to us. The word has salvation as its point. The, the point of Scripture is for us to know God and know Christ. The word is, is truth without error. This, uh, this is one of the most important points. It does not contain truth. It is truth. It is the, the truth by which all other truth is judged. And the word is the standard for our conduct. It's, it, it gives us how we should act. So we're going to take a look at each of these, but I want to uh, look at one passage of Scripture that I chose from the, than the 29 or 30 that are at the bottom of this article just to, uh, to show you really what, what the Word has to say about itself. And that's 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 14. It says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy 
you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So let's look first at the context of of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is a letter written by Paul to Timothy. Paul is writing uh, to to a young pastor named Timothy, and he's giving him instructions how how church ought to be, how to to choose leaders from church. We still use this in our choice of leadership for churches. He's talking about all all of the real basic things that a pastor should be. It's, it's one of the pastoral letters. And, and chapter, by the time he gets to chapter 3, we have kind of the point at the very beginning of chapter 3. Let me read you just the first part of chapter 3. It says, But know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irrelevant, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That sounds like what you just saw on the news last night. (laughs) It sounds like our world today. And so chapter 3 is written to, to address these problems. And so he begins by saying, this is... You know what you have been taught. You know the scripture. And so the scripture, the Holy Bible, is the cure for all of these things, all of these ills of society. So let's, let's kind of walk our way through. It, it, the word is divinely inspired. Divinely inspired. That means it was given by God to men. Now there are a lot of different theories on how divine inspiration worked. They basically group into three Areas. The first one is, is the idea of conceptual. It's conceptual uh, theory. And that is that the concepts were given to the writers by God, but not the words themselves. Well, there's a problem with that. Our, our passage here says that the word of God is breathed out by God. God breathed. So it doesn't make sense that only the concepts were given to the writers. The second one is, is dictation theory. Dictation theory says that, that essentially the writer was a pen and that it did, made no difference who the guy was because the words of God came through that guy. Now, my problem with that theory is that we see the differences in the, in the Gospels, don't we? Matthew is different than Luke and, and both of them are different than John and the writings of Paul are different. We see the education level, we see the experience, we see the personality of the writer. So dictation theory doesn't make sense to me. And then there is verbal plenary uh, theory. This is the one I ascribe to because it says that the words and concepts were, were, were told to the writers, but, the, but God used in the word choices and in the concept, he used the personalities of the writers. He used... The, uh, the, the experience, the education, the personality of the writers. And so what we see, what we have, is, is the divine word of God through the personalities of those that, that penned it. 
That's what I believe. And it, and it actually fits our, our uh, passage of Scripture here the best. Because, because it says in verse 16, it's inspired by God. It is literally God-breathed. So picture in your mind God breathing his words and ideas and concepts into the ear of the writer. That's what the picture we're given by this scripture, by verse 16 here. Literally the ideas and concepts and words of God being breathed into the ear of, the, of those that wrote. So this makes scripture perfect because it is exactly what God once said. It is exactly what, what God wanted said by this writer. The second part of that is, is it reveals, the word of God reveals God to us. We can know God by reading scripture. Now, how do you know the people that you know? By talking to them, by, by, by their conversation, by what they tell you, and how you see them act. We know God the same way. We know God because he has acted, and, we've, and, and we have the record of it. We know God because he has spoken to us, and we have the record of it. We know who God is and what God has done by reading scripture. We even see God's interaction with mankind. And, and do we have perfect examples of, of mankind? No. <laughs> No, we have people like us, folks like us, folks that, are, that, are, that have to battle with the idea that God's sovereign and we're not, folks that have to, to battle with the idea that, that God is forever, he's eternal, and we're limited. We struggle with these concepts, and we see God interact with mankind who feel the same way we do all the way through Scripture. We know God because he has decided to reveal himself, and he's done so in Scripture. It has salvation as its point. The point of Scripture is for us to know God and know Christ. Look at verse 15. It says, And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred Scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ. The, the Word of God, what, 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 what Paul calls here the sacred scriptures, give us all the wisdom we need for salvation. That's the point. We see that the, the promise of salvation in Genesis 3. We see the, the, how redemption works in the Exodus. We see in the prophets and the, and the, and the writings, as they're called, we see how God interacts and, and how there is a Savior coming. In the Gospels, we see the Savior and what he has to say. And in the writings of Paul, we see how to live. You know, the, uh, the Bible does not stop at John 3.16. It goes on to tell us how to live. So we, we have the complete picture. And we have in, in Daniel and Revelation, we have the end of the world. So God has shown us the beginning of the world and the end. He has shown us the whole picture. He's left nothing out. We know God because he has decided to show himself. It is truth without error. 
to some degree, this, this goes back to the idea of, the, of inspiration. If it's the words and concepts and ideas of God, then it must be perfect, right? Because God is perfect. So that just kind of makes sense. But do you realize how much that it, it's the, the, the Bible is the most investigated ancient document in human history? It has been investigated in every possible way by scientists, by archaeologists, by... It, there are over 25,000 manuscripts that show the accuracy of the Bible we have right now. 25,000. Now, let me put that into perspective for you. Plato, the works of Plato, there are about 250 manuscripts of that. And it, it is considered accurate because there's 250. Uh, the, the works of Aristotle, there's about 1,000 of those. About a thousand copies of the works of Aristotle, and it is considered accurate because there are a thousand copies. We have over 25,000 copies of the Bible. And every time it is, it is investigated, it is found to be true and accurate. It's the most trustworthy document ever written. It has been investigated every which way it can be and found to be true. We literally see the hand of God bringing Scripture down through time and through 40 different authors to us exactly the way we have it, in perfect form. It is the truth without any error. It, it is the truth by which all truth must be judged. And is, it is our standard for conduct. Verse 16 says it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. As I said earlier, we see that the path of redemption and salvation all the way through Scripture, but it doesn't stop at John 3.16. It continues to tell us how salvation looks, how to live a redeemed life, what our life should look like according to Scripture. And I would point out in verse 16, it says, all Scripture. All Scripture. I point that out because uh, there was a guy named Marcion who wrote in the, the, the early 2nd century. And he said that the Old Testament was of no use to Christians. And he said that the Gospels were written to the Jews, so we didn't need to pay any attention to those either. So the only thing we needed were the writings of Paul. That was what Marcion said. We know people that are still like that. We know people that think that the Old Testament has no bearing on our life today. The God of the Old Testament is the same God as the God of the New Testament. He is the same God. We see in the Old Testament, we see his grace, his mercy. We see his wrath on sin. We see his protection. We see his providence. We see his his provision, and we see all of those in the New Testament embodied in Jesus Christ. There is no difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. He has expressed himself in Jesus Christ in the New Testament. There's also dispensationalism, uh, a belief that, that came about actually in the early 19th century, and it, it it at early 20th century, it, uh, it says that there's dispensations or time periods 
of different things. And that the one we're in right now is the dispensation of the church. So the dispensation of the word is past. So that devalues the, the, the idea that scripture is still needed. So it's wrong. It's heresy. It's heresy because scripture is still needed today. Every word of it. Because every word of it is God-breathed out to us. It is the very words, ideas, and concepts of God given to reveal God to us, to, sh to give us wisdom for salvation, to give us truth without error, and to give us a standard for our conduct, a standard for how to live. That's the word of God. Now, I am often asked, which Bible version should I get? Should I get the New American Standard or the English Standard Version or, or the uh, New International Version or the... And I always answer the, that question the same way. The one you will read. Because it doesn't really matter what, what, how, how accurate your copy is if it's sitting on a bookshelf. Get the one you'll read. And read it. You can know God by picking this up and reading it. Isn't that kind of incredible? The maker and sustainer of everything can be known right here. He wrote you a letter. Just put Dear Jim on the first page or Dear whatever your name is on the first page because that's what it was written for. We can know God by knowing Scripture. So as we begin a new year, a time of, of resolutions, will you resolve to read Scripture, to know God more, to gain wisdom for salvation, to know what uh, truth really is, to know how, how a saved life, a redeemed life should look? Will you just resolve to read Scripture? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. The scripture points us to Jesus Christ. The, the, picture, the scripture gives us the knowledge, the wisdom to know that we need Jesus Christ. That we have sin in our life. And that Jesus came and died on a cross to save you. He didn't come and die for sin he came and died for you. He didn't die so that sin could go to heaven. He died to pay the price for your sin so you could. Do you need to take a step of faith toward Christ this morning? You can. It's a simple prayer. First, we just acknowledge that we have sin in our life. God, I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. Trust that Jesus came to save me. He died on that cross in my place. So I ask you to forgive me because of his finished work on the cross. And I ask you to show me how to live a redeemed life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Maybe this morning as you, as you realize over the last month, over the last six months, over all of 2020, 
Scripture was not a priority to you? Will you resolve between you and God right now to make Scripture a priority for this year? I will know God more by reading what he has to say. Father, we thank you for this scripture. We thank you, Father, that that we can know you. We can see how you interact with mankind. We can see we can we can see everything we need to know about you for salvation in the letter, the love letter you sent us in scripture. Help us to keep the commitment to read, to hear from you every day. For, the, for this year and for years to come. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.